0: Not everything in life is flexible, but at Capella University, your education can be. With our game-changing FlexPath learning format,
1: you're empowered to fit education into your life without putting other priorities on hold. FlexPath lets you set your own deadlines and adjust them when needed. You can take courses at your own speed and move on to the next one when you're ready. Imagine how a flexible education can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of I way with Jamila Jamil. I hope you're well. I'm good. I'm a bit fatigued. Online discourse is getting out of control. Uh, a lot of infighting amidst liberals and progressives and the left in general. Lots of self-cannibalising. I think uh, people's reactions to AOC and her dress at the Met Gala were quite frustrating and not very well thought out people speaking before they had all the information which i've certainly been guilty of in the past um but if you want to uh, hear what i said about that you can find my rant on my instagram i'm not going to subject you to it again here but uh, i am feeling a bit exhausted by how much time we who want to make change in the world spend nitpicking each other and then completely losing focus of the greater task at hand and one I think it's really important that we keep each other accountable and criticize each other and and do all of the important things I think all of literally all of our pylons spiral out of control and even long after the message has been made and you know said about the thing that we take issue with with a public figure we just then go on and on and on it kind of feels like and I've spoken about this before in this podcast it feels like we're just kind of virtue signaling to each other that like I'm going to be vocal about this thing that everyone else has already said so that everyone around me knows that I'm on the right side of history because I object to this thing but all that turns into is a massive clusterfuck of misdirection because then we're not looking at the people who are actively trying to oppress us because we're so busy piling onto spending days obsessively talking about someone who's actually probably got Their heart's probably in the right place and what they did probably doesn't warrant this bigger reaction. Meanwhile, those who are actively trying to oppress us are laughing at us, watching us just spend this much time eating each other alive. And then they just carry on oppressing us and we're distracted by pointing at each other. So we've got to figure out some sort of better fucking system here of, okay, we're going to say something's wrong. We're going to be, we're going to say it with our whole fucking chest. And then when it's been said, we're going to move on and talk about something else rather than just kind of signal to the tribe that like, please keep me in the tribe because I want to show you that I'm, I also feel this thing that everyone else has already said a million times. That individual isn't helped by you doing it and time is wasted and misdirection happens. So sorry, but that's, that's the thing that I'm feeling. Anyway, moving on. I want to talk about my excellent friend Sophie Morgan who is my guest on this podcast this week and she's someone I've known and worked with uh, over the course of the last kind of eight years we lost touch for a while when I moved to America but I've been watching her career from afar and just continuing to see her soar and and Teach so many people so many things and also teach herself so many things and so because I got to be a guest I was very lucky to be a guest on her new podcast Equal 2 which I really want you to go and listen to especially if you are interested in the subject of disability and we all should be And if the last year and a half has taught us anything, there is no guarantee that that will not come into your life at some point. And so you should be fucking educated about it because that doesn't just make you a good and informed and and a better person, but also that's the right way to live and it's a smarter way to live. Uh, is a, a life prepared for all of the shifts that we, I think, now have been given explicit proof can come with no notice. And we have no idea how long it's going to last. This podcast she hosts is with Sinead Burke. You can, you can listen to it anywhere that you get your podcast. And it is truly, I think, going to be a leader in the conversation around disability. It's just a, a sort of mini series. Uh, but each episode is so potent and they're so unpretentious and warm and funny and smart and integral and and you just learn so much and they come at everything from an angle that you maybe hadn't considered before and it just doesn't feel I think what I love about podcasts is that you have the opportunity to kind of learn in private this is a very punishing world where you know as I was kind of referencing to earlier we're, we're very performative and we're very afraid of getting things wrong and being seen in a certain way and being seen as not doing enough uh, or not knowing enough and not being perfect especially if we're women or people of colour or any kind of minority or combine the intersection of them all um um, sorry you can tell I'm a bit frustrated uh, but I think that this this podcast that I host the equal to podcast hosted by Sophie Morgan I think podcasts like that do a really good job of, of just letting you feel like it's okay to not know all of the answers yet none of us are mad at you I mean I'm learning right in front of you with you all of the time and so that podcast does a great job at just kind of giving you this introductory session in very accessible language in very accessible ways with very accessible and sensible and and exciting uh, prospects. And so I really want you to listen to it. Sophie is a model, a writer, a a TV host, a documentary maker, a really, really profound and well-respected activist, and uh, truly just one of my favourite humans on earth. She's such a great speaker. I think a lot of people became aware of her when she joined Britain's Missing Top Model which is a kind of iteration of Britain's Next Top Model and it was a show where women with disabilities were competing to be the winning model. She was a runner-up on the show and it kind of just shot her into the mainstream in the United Kingdom and it was around then that she and I met and started working together. She's had quite a life. She was 18 when she uh, became disabled and um we talk about that and that transition from going from being non-disabled to disabled and what that did to her life we talk about the upside of disability we talk about representation we talk about uh the things that we wish non-disabled people knew about people with disabilities and all the ways in which they don't have to tiptoe around them we talk about her visible disability um as she is in a wheelchair and my invisible disability which is you know also a there's Not enough representation of either in this world. And we talk about how those things have shaped us and and the frustrations we have to the world. We talk about the 2028 Paralympics that are coming to Los Angeles, which is the hub of representation and Hollywood as we know, which is in Los Angeles, erases the living shit out of people with disabilities. They feel like just because they're somewhat racially inclusive and they have about three famous trans people now whatsoever, that they've done the work. They've represented everyone. They can rest now and go back to making all white, cis, straight, uh, non-disabled TV shows. They never seem to remember to bring up the fact that we still don't have almost any disabled representation. It's so minor. You can name these people on one hand. And so, and 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 often the roles that are about disability go to people who aren't disabled. And we talk about why that's problematic. It's a totally jam-packed conversation. And it's one that just made me feel so energised afterwards and so galvanised to do more, be more, be better, be a better ally, uh, not just to people with disabilities, but also to myself as a sick person who doesn't always cut myself enough slack. So I hope you find it interesting. I think this is a conversation that doesn't just need to be heard by other people with disabilities who are looking for solidarity. This is absolutely for you. But it's also massively for those who haven't yet experienced disability in any kind of iteration. You will learn so much. You will expand so much, not just from this episode, but from everywhere that Sophie kind of leads us to go to explore. It has been one of the great parts of my life learning from learning with and loving with the disabled community and I feel so grateful for people like Sophie to lead the way so this is the excellent Sophie Morgan and for those of you who don't already know her I'm so excited to introduce you to her enjoy Sophie Morgan, welcome to I Way. How are you? I'm really good. How are you? I'm so good. It's so nice to see you. I have known you for such a long time and looked up to you for such a long time. And I'm so honoured to have you on my podcast.
1: Oh, don't. It's just, we've had such a history, haven't we? What an adventure we had. And I'm trying to remember when it was we worked together, what year it was. It feels like another life. It was, was 2013
2: until th- 2015. So you was, know, you know, it was a while yeah. ago. Oh yeah, big it time. Was. Those are my, God. those are the Sophie years. I refer to those <laughs> as the Sophie years. Uh, our, our era.
1: <laughs> it was. Why um, not? Why not? It was an amazing experience, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, it really was. And I think that the reason that we sort of f- fell in love so fast is because we are very similar people and that we're really just scrappy. <laughs> we we know that the system is set up against us in different ways and some of the same ways. And we both have just kind of committed to a very tricky life of just grabbing what we can while we can and going for it. Yes. And I think you've been a big inspiration to me to just keep doing that through life and, <laughs> and never doubting myself. Like you have this innate fearlessness to the way that you take on your advocacy that just... Never ceases to blow my mind, and so I look to you constantly as someone who reminds me to do more, to be braver, to be scrappier. And thank you for that.
1: Thank you for that. Wow! I honestly, I thank you. I, I think that that's what we have to do, right? We have to, we have to fight. I wish we didn't have to fight, but we don't really have much choice, especially sure. with disability. It's just. You know, I remember when I was first injured all these years ago. So I was in, I had a spinal injury when I was 18. And I remember I was the first disabled person that I had ever met. And I remember meeting myself and just being so confused as to what on earth this disability thing meant I was like what is this so I can't do anything right I mean disabled people can't do anything and I had no idea of what the limitations were I just had this you know this preconception of what disability means and I realized very very early on that the only way I was ever going to be able to survive or let alone thrive was to fight was literally just to fight it's been a fight for 18 years god when you put it like that it's exhausting but it's what we're it going to do exhausting. right it is
2: exhausting it is exhausting and i i would love to talk to you about that more because i think that that's you know in the last year and a half i think more people have than ever before in for generations have started to deal with the idea that oh shit this could happen to me like i could develop long covid i, I could i could die i could develop a disability i could not be allowed out of the house everything yeah. could stop being accessible to me just just like that. Just like that. You're and, right. You're right. And so I think that this is a really important time to make sure that we seize this moment of people starting to wake up to this and really make sure that we don't just brush this under the carpet and go back to quote unquote, you know, normal. That was not, that was not normal. We were just burying our heads in the sand and leaving ourselves entirely unprepared. Um, you and I both, I was just turning 17 when I had uh, a car accident and I um, and I remember how fast it changed my life and how quickly mm. it altered my perspective and made me realise, God, I have no control. Yeah. We really have no control. And I was so unprepared for it when it happened. And so I would love to talk to you about what that experience was like going from one to a normal, like what was your life pre that accident? And then how did it change? So life
1: pre-accident is sort of, almost it's almost my my life was severed in in it quite neatly weirdly between when i was a child and when i was an adult and i lived my childhood or my girlhood as a non-disabled person and i have lived my adult life as a disabled woman Um, it's taken me a while to say I'm a grown disabled woman. I grappled with my disability for the last 18 years, but now I'm an 18-year-old disabled woman. I feel like I'm a bit more grown. Mm. But yeah, I definitely, I, I, I shifted from a very free and wild and quite uh, rebellious. I was, I mean, I was just a pain. I think I was one of those girls that really hadn't struggled. I hadn't really come up against um, too much you know, difficulty in my life. I just sort of floated through. And yeah, I'd been a pain in the ass at school. I'd been kicked out of this school and that school, and I'd been a bit of a dickhead, but I had actually just sort of fumbled my way through and got through okay. And then suddenly I had a car crash. The day I got my A-level results, I was um, coming home from a party, lost control of the car I was driving. I was sober and I was seatbelted, but I was very unexperienced. And I lost control of the car I was driving and was instantly paralysed. So I, I kind of woke up and had to come to terms with a number of things. I think that's the same issues that we all have to come to terms with when we're coming of age, when we're, you know, trying to work out who we are and where we want to go and what the fuck we want to do. I had all of that going on. But then I had this other layer where I had suddenly become a different type of woman. Suddenly I was confined to the expectations of what people had around what paralysis is and what disability is. And I had to fit into that very limiting um, perception. So there I came out into the world as a wheelchair user. And it was really hard, I think, as an 18-year-old girl to to figure out myself among, amongst all of it. And yeah, it's been it's been a journey. But I really, one of the things to your point about this whole, you know, life can change in an instant mm. is that. I, I don't want this to be a story of tragedy. And I think that's something that we always see with disability is this like...
2: But that's what I'm saying when I say that we're unprepared, right? Yeah. Is that th- these big changes might happen. Yeah. And I consider my life obviously in some ways harder for my disability. I have an invisible disability, but i also like i love my perspective (laughs) in the world i find i find the world easier to cope with in so many ways for what i've learned from it so i never meant that in a bad way i just mean that we are underprepared for these huge huge shifts that can happen to us or to people that we love and if we were ready for it if we were readier for it at least then it wouldn't seem like this terrible shock and trauma it would just be a new thing to navigate that we feel a bit safer in
1: I think that's exactly right. You know, we, 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 I think we need to normalize Change and lean into change in a way that yes, okay, no one would want to necessarily wish a disability upon someone, but I think we need to shift that narrative around it being the worst thing that can happen to you. And I, I, I feel as well that's a hard thing to say. It's come. It's taken me a long time to get to that point, but I think in the context of what we're talking about here, around the urgency to have this kind of shift in thinking around what disability means and what change can mean and and how the, you know life can change in an instant. I think the urgency is now because we've just seen it all happen to us. In a way, when COVID happened, I watched a little bit, and I know a lot of my disabled friends watched, going, Welcome to our world. Hello, people. Mm-hmm. You've been you've been you you've experienced what it's like to be immobilized. You've experienced what it's like to have your agency taken away from you. You've experienced what it's like to be fearful. These are some of the ways in which we live our lives all the time. You know, disabled people, that's our lives. So welcome to it. And not that I'm saying I want that to lie but what I do hope we find is that when we go back to normal, which we don't want, nobody wants normal. We want a better normal is that we learn from it and we find, okay, that's what it was like to live like that. So what can we, how can we come out of this with a greater empathy of a greater understanding? But you know, something that's really worrying me is the optimists or the people like you and I who have gained from change or have changed for the better from change Mm -hmm. look into the situation and go, yeah, okay, we've got something, but and we've got something here that could be this great catalyst and a great learning and we can, and we can come through better for it. But I worry, I really worry. I, something about me keeps seeing the way in which we are talking around disability and the deaths around COVID is that people have died and people have gone, well, yeah, because they had an underlying health condition, right? And it's almost like this. You think that's okay? You think that excuses what's happened? You think that that's okay that the world is now looking at what's happened to disabled people or people with long-term health conditions who have been so disproportionately impacted by COVID um, and just kind of brush it under the carpet and go, oh, well, it's just them that's been hurt. There's just them Mm. and we're going to move on. And we're not seeing us all come together. And all those hopes that I had that we could learn from COVID and we could grow together in a better way I'm starting to get a bit worried, I suppose. Um, so that's why it's so exciting to talk to you now. And I feel there's this urgency to have these conversations and say, mm-hmm. you know, we, 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 we must do better. We must do better. We must listen to each other. We must learn from our mistakes. And we must like kind of lean into these consequences and, and shift them where they've not been, you know, the conclusions that we've drawn are wrong.
2: If that makes sense. A hundred, I know a hundred, it makes 100% a, a sense. And and it's something that I feel very passionately about. I mean, this is something I've been working in the area of for almost a Ages. decade. And yeah. yeah and, and, you know, so have you for longer than that even. And I think it's so important that we just, you know, so much of our, uh, so much of society's rather discrimination against any group in particular, let's just say with disabled people right now comes from fear. Yeah. And we fear what we don't understand. And so if we continue to make disability this taboo subject that's just too untouchable, too uncomfortable, too sad to talk about, then we're never going to fucking learn anything. And then we're <laughs> never going to understand that it's not all sad. It's not this tragedy that, that the media lied when they told us in every single film about a disabled person played by a non disabled person that we aren't the sad storyline arc in a non-disabled person's life. We aren't this like grumpy tragedy who they fall in love with and then we go and selfishly die of our <laughs> disability and then they're heartbroken. You know, we are yeah. we aren't we we are protagonists of our own stories. You're the you're a hero not just of your own story, you're many people's hero. You're one of my heroes. And so we need to be able to. This isn't a like a. No. Uh, I don't know. Like a kind yeah. of the the we need the to rewrite negative the ending, side of a, like affirmative yeah. action here. Like we're we're trying to say that we're not even rewrite. Like we we need to tell the real story. Yeah. Not exactly. this like bullshit like like sort of um, tragedy porn of a non-disabled writer. Yeah. You know, know. who fears disability so much that they've all, they've turned it into. Um, I don't know, like the equivalent of an alien invasion. It's something that happens to everyone around. It's there's no lived and loved and sexy and heroic experience. Even like still to now, it's so revolutionary and rare to see anyone with a disability cast in a role that just allows someone to just live where the disability isn't the focus of their entire fucking experience and everyone around them's experience. A lot of my friends with disabilities just move on. They just get on with life and everyone else gets on with life around them. And there are certain adjustments, but fucking look at the last year and a half. It's just been a year and a half of constant adjustments, regardless of your health status.
1: Yeah, I know. And I think this is the thing, I think this is where we can like, we've got two great, we've got a great opportunity here to learn from the disabled community, to pluck and mine those resources that we have harnessed and we have practiced and we have honed these skills of resilience, of imagination and creativity that we have to live with. And we have to, sorry, we have to, as disabled people, I feel we, we have to constantly be living with those skills or be practicing those those skills so that we can just survive in day-to-day life right we 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 have to be creative we have to be resilient we have to be constantly using our imaginations just to get through and I think people who are non-disabled don't realize that there's so much they can learn from the disabled community in that respect mm-hmm. that it's like that but I also to your point about representation and the way in which we 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 see these polarized depictions of disability non-stop right we've got the poor pitiful it's tragic oh god fuck that I would, I would rather die and i've had people say this to me i'd rather die than be paralyzed i'd rather die than My be disabled god. you know i've had that i've had those conversations who and the then fuck on- said that to you Oh, this fucking kid, this kid, I was, we were doing, I was doing a documentary about young drivers and about how young drivers, cause I was paralyzed in a car crash. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to tell these young kids, like, just be careful. You don't, your brain's not fully developed till you're about 25. So the risk assessment is not quite there. So be careful when you're fucking driving. And this kid, I said, you know, because the consequences are real, you can live with the consequences of your actions for a long time. And he was like, he just looked at me and he was like, yeah, I'd rather fucking die than be paralyzed. Oh my God. No, seriously. And I, I remember at the time I was like, yeah, well. Let's let's hope. Let's just hope you don't have to learn the hard way here, because I just. But this is something that I've come to terms with. Is I'd rather he said that to me out lu- out loud, Jamila, because then I can I can counter it, and I I think a lot of people think it. I'm not. I honestly do. I think people think that around disability, and I, I I'd rather people said it or articulated it so that we can debate it and we can say, okay, so why? What do you think so bad about my fucking life? I I love my life. I live my life like. What on earth are we doing here? Where, where's the, where's the miscommunication? Where, where, what do we need to teach each other and have those lean into those conversations? I just, I revel in those conversations. I think we need to have more of them because there's that side of it of like, fuck, I would rather die than be you. Or there's the holy shit. You're so fucking inspirational. I couldn't, you just motivate Mm. me. And honest to God, if I get one more comment after just a picture of me sitting on my motorbike going, God, you're inspirational. And I, it's that age old thing that we just get fucking haunted by. You're just inspirational. Oh, the deifying and like, oh. yeah. Just oh, in the middle like, a saint. this is it. And so you've got these two polarized op- opinions. And then in the middle, there's us, there's normal fucking people just living normal lives. But I, I know I contradict myself because on one hand I say we're just normal people. But on the other hand, I'm like, There's no such thing as normal. And disabled people are extraordinary. The people I have met who have got disabilities in my life blow my fucking mind. You know, people like you, people like Eddie Ndopu, people like Sinead Burke, who I've just had the privilege of working with. These people who are, I think they are just extraordinary. I think they have have something about the way that they live on the margins, but they look in and they see the world in a different way. And I just can't, I can't get enough of them.
2: But they're also... Very normal, yeah, flawed people exactly. out there. I mean, I'm the most flawed of them all, <laughs> but like I uh But people with disabilities can be bad people. They can be all kinds of different people. We are just like any other group on earth, not a monolith, and and impossible to just be like defined. God, honestly. I remember the first time someone said to me, You can be a real
1: bitch. And I remember saying, Well fuck yeah, I can be a bitch. And and, they, and honestly, it's because they thought I was a wheelchair user. They were like, I didn't know wheelchair users can be bitches. It was really shocking. I remember just thinking, oh my god, here we go. Here we go. Let's break down these stereotypes. Yes, I can be a bitch,
2: but yes. But again, it is media representation. So what are like some stereotypes, even just about you? Like what are things that counter, that, that are there about you that counter the narrative other than the fact that you're a bitch? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously. Like what are counter things about it? your life that people wouldn't expect to know about your life?
1: Um, that I have fear. That I, am, that I, I, I have a sexual drive. That mm-hmm. I have a love for um, drum and bass music. Mm-hmm. I love to rave. Mm-hmm. That I am an artist at heart. That I'm a painter. Um, that I live by myself. I drive a motorbike. Um, I don't need a carer that I earn a lot of money and I am my own boss. Mm-hmm. I mean, I suppose all of these things have been things that people ask me about. So they fall off the top of my head. I think this list could go on for a long time, but these are some of the questions yeah. I get asked, you know, can you drive? You have love, you've had friendship, you know what I mean? Like I honestly, you've... yeah, all these things. I, I, I think it's easier. I think, yeah, it's, it's shocking how, it, but like to the point I made about this, when that man, man honestly said to me, I'd rather die than be you. I feel those are the I- explicit feelings that people ju- have around disability. They're just never explicit. They never say them out loud. But then they, you get these funny little microaggressions where you hear someone say things like, oh, is that your carer when you're with your mate in the
2: bar? Or are you travelling on your own? Oh my God, or speaking louder to you or bending down to it's your a real wheelchair. Thing. Are there things that you really want people to know? like non-disabled people in particular about how they approach, because I feel as though any time I introduce like a friend of mine, if they have cerebral palsy or, mm. you know, whatever, if they're in a wheelchair, whatever, it might be a, a, a speech difference, but the other people I introduce them to, even like my sort of emotionally intelligent, socially conscious, like liberal <laughs> friends, they don't, they, don't, they malfunction. Yeah. They don't know what to, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to act and they start like almost like minding their language. Do you ever find this where people like aren't just fucking filthy mm-hmm. and rude in front of people as if they're like these like saint virgins who who don't use the F word and have never heard, like they'd be so offended by oh. all of this. And you can't talk about filthy sex in front of them because they've never had any according to you. So what do you want people to know when like, and how do you wish people would react what what do you want them to know? Okay, I I, I guess this is the
1: one of those things that I almost like if I could go back in time and meet myself when I first had my injury and I first mm-hmm. had to come to terms with what I was and who I was and I have a sp- high level spinal injury and uh, so I'm paralyzed from just like the boobs down and I have to use a wheelchair all the time and what would I want her to know? that I know now is exactly what I would love other people who don't have any kind of friends with, with people with disabilities. Although I do find it quite hard to believe because when you look at the figures, one in five in the population, 15% of the global population identify as disabled. So I do feel we know more of each other than we may let on. I'll just say yeah. to put that out That So I'm gonna answer your question first, which is I just wish we could all have the confidence to, to speak to one another how we want to be spoken to and literally uh, i think what we need to bear in mind is that difference between the imp- that when we ask questions to of each other which i think curiosity is wonderful and i think it it, it should be encouraged but there's we've got to remind ourselves where the intention of what we might say might have a different impact on how it's felt so for example that you know someone says to me oh are you traveling by yourself I know that that's a, a, a question that's just that's just trying to help me but it's actually quite a loaded question of like do you not think I can travel by myself mm. um, so the, the, there's a there's a softness there that I know is really hard to navigate but I feel we just need to be gentle with each other and be kind to one another about how You know, I know people want to know more. I know they want to do good. They don't often come from a place of harm. I don't feel that's the case. No, really, truly, it's just ignorance or fear. Exactly, exactly, babe. And I just think that's where we got to go. So anyone who's listening to this who feels that they don't quite yet know or they want to be a better friend or an ally or anything for a person with a disability, I, I always think just ask the question of, is it okay? Can I ask you these things? Is it appropriate for me to ask you or can I help you? It's that... I think it's the way you, the way it's spoken, is 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 so important. But at the end of the day, we're all just fucking human. We're all just human. Yeah, and I don't think it's the same. treat don't, people don't, don't like they're gonna it. fucking
2: break. Don't
1: totally. treat Which is like the same to break. your point about that whole thing of like, oh, she's a virgin saint. It's like I said when I first, I remember these people and they, they were like, oh my god, you can you swear and you can be a bit of a bitch. And I'm like, yes, because I'm a human being and these are things that disabled people are. with a the full spectrum. So I think that that I hope that answers the question. It is a hard one, but at the end of the day, I will also put this out there if there are people listening to this who really don't know how to do it ask just fucking ask ask me ask us where that's what social media is for we have a we have a tool out there to engage with one another and let's use it
2: Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash iWay today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, dot com
0: slash iWay. Hello, everyone. It's Andy Richter here to tell you the exciting news that we are back with new episodes of my podcast, Three Questions with Andy Richter. We have got a great group of upcoming guests, including some that I've been waiting a long time to talk to, including Jake Johnson, John Lovett, Caitlin Riley, Bobby Lee, Ashley Ray, and Ted Danson. So I'm very psyched for you to hear where they're from, where they're going, and what they've learned. And it leads to some really surprising, heartfelt, and pretty funny moments. So what are you waiting for? Go to the three questions with Andy Richter, wherever you get your podcast now. New episodes every Tuesday.
2: Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt at 3 a.m. at all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New Miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. Miracle Grow is simply the best.
1: We have this real thing um, that disability advocates are so aware of: is that there's a lot of people who don't want to disclose their disabilities. For loads of reasons, and I would never shame anyone about that. If you don't want to talk about your disability, it's hard, and I get it's complicated. But the reality is, there are far more of us than we think, and we are grossly underserved and grossly, grossly underrepresented. And so there's big campaigns kicking off at the moment. And I feel really encouraged because a lot of these campaigns are speaking to this point that there are more, more of us than, than we realize. And we're coming out. We're, we we're, we're not holding back. So we've been using the Paralympics. I say we, I'm talking about a global community of, of disability advocates who are really galvanized to keep moving forward and let's not get left behind because disability is so often the thing that people forget about, right?
2: There's also a tendency to be like, well, we've done a thing with disabled people (laughs) now, so uh, we're good for four years (laughs) and um, we ticked that box and now there's nothing further to achieve We looked them in the eye for a day, and we clap them and put them on telly for five
1: minutes, and it's great, but it's not enough. And we need to use the Paralympics, for example, as you just mentioned, or any of these sort of tick box exercises. Fine, but we need to use them as platforms and make them into something bigger. So, there's a reason. Exactly. There's, and I think so. It's exciting to speak to you now, because I think globally, we're going to start to see some changes that we have been working towards for obviously for decades. But I think there's something going on at the moment. There's the We The 15 campaign, there's the podcast I've just recently worked on called Equal To. There are groups Mm. that are motivated and mobilized and really excited about kind of progressing. And I think we're on the precipice of something really, really exciting. And it's disability led, nothing about us, without us. There's a lot of disability, kind of led organisations and DPOs that are coming together. And oh, I great can't...
2: voices like yourself, Ade, uh, Adebatan oh. and like Imani Barberin, like yes. so many great people, uh, Lolo Spencer, so many people who are so extraordinary. Exactly. Isn't that amazing? I mean, we could
1: sit here and we could list I think we could go on for a long time. That's mm-hmm. awesome. And also they, they're they from different groups of as well. You know, there's an intersectionality to that kind of representation as well. And I feel so excited about the voices that are coming up. And so, again, it's the optimist, optimist in me. I just think that we've come off the back of the pandemic. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot to do. There's a lot of things that we got wrong. But disabled people are not going to be quiet. We're not going to go just fuck off and just say, you know... What, help us. I think a lot of people are going, no, we're going to help ourselves. Of course, we need allyship. I mean, gosh, who doesn't? But I feel that we're gaining, we're gaining our power. We're stepping into our power. Eddie Undoku 100%. said it recently. It's like disabled yeah. people are fucking grown. We are grown. We want agency. We Get to know us in all of our sassiness, boldness, messiness, Iterations. rawness in all of us. Get to know us. We're here. Yeah. We're not going anywhere.
2: No. And like we, you and I, I'd love to talk to you about your podcast. in a second, I was a guest on it and Thank I was talking about just my frustration oh God, thank you it was so (laughs) so much fun um it's a podcast called equal to and and you host it with Sinead Burke who is also an extraordinary activist advocate um and and uh, human being who again I think a lot of us really admire and love from a distance and up close but um this podcast I was a guest on it and we ended up you know you got me you worked me up I got into a, a bit <laughs> of a, good a rant, old rant. <laughs> yeah i in a big fucking rant and I was talking about the fact that I can't believe that a year you know a year and a half this last year and a half has proven to us that for all these decades in which we told people with disabilities oh I'm sorry we can't hire you um because uh you can't work from home and our building isn't accessible. So rather than us make our motherfucking building accessible or make a, an allowance where we can find an infrastructure from which you can work from home, we've just denied everyone we've the access. Got rid. I mean, yeah. All of my friends with disa- disabilities have had such a horrifying amount of yes. uh, pushback in trying yeah. to get employment. And these, I mean, my friends are so they're so qualified, yeah. so smart. Like people who are who grow up with any kind of sickness or injury, or like anything like that. Like that, you mm. have to work hard for everything than everyone else right so you normally come to the uh come to the table like over prepared if anything else I agree over overcompensated for the fact that you're afraid that your disability is going to hold you back so therefore you you work way harder than anyone who doesn't even have to have that in their mind you don't take anything for granted the way someone who's never lived with a sickness or a disability has yeah. and so so they haven't been hired and I'm like you are overqualified for yeah. all of these jobs and i'm watching people who were just sort of like fucking about and like uh, just sort of half-assing this just,
0: just yeah. marinating
2: in their yeah. own mediocrity going in for these jobs and and getting them and so now the last year and a half has proven to us that the whole fucking hollywood ran from home the motherfucking governments mm-hmm. around the world ran from home biden <laughs> zoomed his the election campaign it's, from his house with his dog i Do you mean know what you I mean? You've like, got I laugh just, you've
1: gotta laugh because otherwise so cry oh, but i think that that's
2: kind of why but i think that's kind of why this movement is gaining like extra yeah. momentum now because it's like yeah we have oh, the tools. Look, well fancy that yes fancy exactly. that exactly all of the lies <laughs> that we told each other and ourselves haven't come true Exactly, exactly. It turns out everything is completely possible. Everything is so much more possible. And now everything's going to have to become more accessible. And people wear masks as a norm, and they are considerate of one another's health, not just their own as a norm. People think all the time about their uh, their health, public safety. We've bec- we're having to become, obviously, some people just refuse to, mm-hmm. but we are having to become a more thoughtful generation, and and change our lives to do so and And so i do think this is a perfect a perfect moment in time for this shift to happen
1: i think so too i think it it, it's almost like the perfect i mean it sounds it sounds the wrong way to say this because of all the tragedy and because of all the shit that's gone on but it's like the perfect storm because we've got a climate of awareness a generation that are more awake we've got uh, we've got representation increasing we've got we've got better visibility we've got stronger leadership. I don't mean in the places that really matter perhaps because I still don't feel there's enough disabled people in the room where that where it counts, but we have gained power in the places where we can we've created spaces where we can and so I feel like things are coming together in a way that maybe we haven't had before there's there's more ingredients in this recipe for success and that's why i, I i'm hoping i'm I, I just want to stay hopeful that we've learned so much and we're coming through stronger and so so the podcast that we've just created mm. which so the podcast is called equal to which was taken in it took inspiration from me too which the hashtag me too and it's mm-hmm. equal to because actually there was this sort of idea like when when are we going to get equal to? When are we going to be equal? Um, when are we going to find this? And so it's a conversation start of this podcast. What we did is we broke it down. The first episode is to sort of give a good bit of context around the Paralympics and the story of the Games. But then it breaks down into the next five episodes of... Right where are the biggest and most important areas of our lives as disabled people and what do we need to think about and where where are we at let's take a check let's mm-hmm. take a check and let's think about where we want to go so we asked some quite big questions and we brought some quite big voices in and we just said right where are we at so we've got we're looking at law we're looking at representation which is the episode that you fed into as well as the law and the change agents we kind of merged a bit into both there because they crossed over advocacy work really crossed over with representation it was work also
2: because I wouldn't shut the fuck up so you probably had just to
1: just sprinkle you a bit I of went everywhere way Bring it over. Uh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, don't you dare say sorry. It was bloody fucking, it was brilliant. And then, and then, yeah, so we then we looked at access and then we looked at employment. And then the final episode is a bit of a chit chat between Sinead and I and some other voices where we're just like, right, so what do we learn? What do we learn? And in many ways, this podcast was just designed to be a trigger, to be a conversation starter. But the thing that was really powerful about it is what I think you achieve with your podcast is this wonderful, platform where you bring in voices from all different parts of society, uh, people who are fighting in their own worlds for their own issues, which, of course, is, is right. But what happens if we cross over? What happens if we bring people that, you know, people like Sinead, who are moving mountains in fashion, and how do we get her into employment? And, you know, and how does she help the Valuable 500 as a campaign? And how does What's valuable... the
2: Valuable 500 campaign? So
1: valuable 500 is, I think, one of the most important campaigns that we've seen in recent times. It's set up by the most extraordinary woman called Caroline Casey. Um, and Caroline basically has created uh, a group of 500 of the biggest, companies that she possibly can to sign up so we've got i think she's got on the list um everyone from ey to tommy Hilfiger. figure i mean huge, huge 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 businesses and she said we've got to get disability on your agenda so this is not about a tick box exercise this is about how are we going to see trickle down how are we going to see people who you employ Actually, like people like, you know, Unilever, people on the ground who work from entry level jobs all the way up to the boardroom. We need to see representation. So Valuable 500 is encouraging that conversation and enabling people with resources and skills. And they're just fantastic. So when you see campaigns like that working, when whether that's with business, but then you see, you know, other huge voices like uh, we've talked about Eddie Ndopu already, who is um, one of the advocates for the sustainable goals for the UN. You know you bring these voices together. And it's almost like being in the room when that happens, it, it's fe- you feel like, wow, the world tectonic like plates have just shifted. The world is never going to be the same again when you bring these voices together. and that's what we we need that um you know, that kind of the power's coming together. And I think that's what the podcast was really powerful for. So I'm so excited to get people to to engage with it, listen to it, have a think about what they've learned, contact us, getting involved with the hashtag, all that sort of stuff, and, and really just trigger a conversation around what do we want next for our movement? Where do we go next with our story? It's in our hands. What do we want to say?
2: Where do we go next? What do we want to say?
1: So the conclusion that I think we have slightly lent towards is that the most important thing that we can do is get disabled people into employment. Now there's loads of complications Amen. there, but that it would be But not as many as we fucking thought. It shouldn't be that fucking hard. Exactly like no. exactly like you said. So so there's that, right? But if you think about what that will mean, that will mean we no longer need to go knock knock knock, excuse me, uh, Mr. Bordram, please can you can think consider, you know, putting disabled people in your marketing, please. It would be really good. You'll speak to a certain demographic, and there's a purple pound, by the way, and all this sort of shit that we have to by do. By the to way, sell when, so just in
2: case you in case you haven't heard that terminology before, purple pound is kind of like the spending power of uh, the dis- disabled community. So it's the same thing, like where the plus size pound, like all kinds of different things where, you know, I think a good um, example sometimes is when we talk about stuff like, um, like a film like Black Panther or Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, When you see the success of those films, they take a chance on a film that represents a minority that hasn't been represented it's so funny we call them minority a lot of these people Mm, (laughs) the billions of these people around the world but when it comes to representation they are the minority we we uh represent them and a lot of the people who, you know plenty of people who aren't from that minority but so many of the people from within that minority have been waiting to be represented come out in the millions to support and then you realize oh shit that's really profitable and then you keep doing it so that's an example of kind of, you know, I mean, like the ethics totally. pound almost. You're totally so when we right. talk about the, the purple pound, the purple pound, exactly pound what we is. just mean that like, if you were to let, a, a, like create, we were talking about this again, I think on your podcast, but when I was trying to create more access uh, in venues around the world, so people with disabilities could go to gigs, this was like, what, 2012, 2013? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like um, so they'd be able to go to gigs and not be like just kind of cordoned off to the side, separated from their friends and family, kind of like treated like a hindrance. I would be told every time by all of the biggest uh, venues that, oh, well, we don't have the enough disabled clientele to justify the reparation costs of adding ramps and handles and creating a disabled toilet. And it's like, well, if they can't get in the fucking building, how would how do you expect them to be able to become your clientele and then have you justify those reparation costs? It's just like this chicken and egg kind of catch-22 yeah. nightmare. And Ugh. it's like, well, if you were to allow them into the building in the first place, if you were to create those uh, those ad- adaptive mm-hmm. circumstances for them, mm-hmm. then you'd find that there's a huge spending power. <laughs> You're just denying yourself business when you exclude any minority, especially when they exist one in motherfucking five, this
1: is exactly you're the point like it's like banging like on the it's not saying, don't even do it hello. to be a good
2: person just do it to not be a twat exactly and we're like
1: literally i mean you and i have had the same conversation i mean that's when we first that's how we first met was knocking yeah. on those doors going for fuck's sake hello there's a spending Let power in. and like what the fuck but you know there's that conversation of like oh there's not enough disabled people so why would we do it but they're like well if you build it they will come and then they're like, oh, well, it's it too much money to put a ramp in, but you put one ramp in, I bet you see a lot of disabled people come through. I mean, let's, this is just a, this is just the tip of the iceberg, but going back to this thing about the purple pound is we're constantly as, as, as anyone in this space has been, has been trying to use that as their tool to like leverage their, like, you know, what's the word, like crowbar their way in as a reason Mm. for someone as a business to be like, come on guys, there's this purple pound and it's the largest untapped market in the world. It's been proven. Mm -hmm. It's it's billions and billions of pounds. And you you and I were saying this
2: on the BBC news
1: eight years ago, 100%. But you know what, Jamila, this is where I get excited because I feel the minute we, well, okay, this is where I get hopeful. The minute we put disabled people in the room, we don't have to fucking argue like that anymore. We don't have to say, do it because you're going to make money We don't have to, we don't have to. Yes, you will. And that will be the side effect. But uh, that will be one of the consequences of being inclusive. But when we've got disabled people in the room where the power is brokered, if when we've got disabled people in the spaces where they're making charge and making decisions, we don't need to prove to them that there's a reason to do this. We don't need to have a reason to do this. They just know that that's what you have to do. You don't have to tell a woman to, you know, um, hire more women because then they'll sell to more women. They do it because they are a woman and they want women in the space, you know, it's that sort of, so we, are, that's where, so going back to this point of what do we need to do? We need to get, we need to facilitate, we need to enable and empower disabled people into work. It is so important. And then you have agency, you then also you can lift yourself out of poverty. I mean, poverty and disability are inextricably linked. And if we want to even stand a chance of ending that or giving disabled people the power over their own lives, we've got to be able to get employment. So that I feel is the way the podcast concluded where we feel that that you know the conversation needs to go next it's just it's going to take a group effort and we need allyship we need awareness we need a lot but I feel that if we can lean that our efforts into that or funnel our efforts there then that we'll see the shift that we need the paradigm shift will just it will just happen I think.
2: I think, no, I think it's really, I think it's so important. I love the fact that this is something that you're focusing on. And I also think that this is not a conversation of, you know, this is not a capitalist conversation of like, we need the money to be coming from or going to disabled people. This is just about a balance of power, not in not because we're striving to have the power, No, because nobody should have the power. We yes. should all just have equal power yeah. equal representation equal access to healthcare you know and I, we were talking about this again like you know the, just the two of us but i've just shot uh, an action role for marvel and when i had to tell them about my disability i was ter- terrified because i was just like oh they're just going to yeah man say no i mean jesus <laughs> uh, and i and, like, so and i think i think like some of the people were uh, definitely nervous because they were like, "Well, this is the first time we've ever worked with something like this before." And I thought they would then like kind of just make me do CGI yeah. and get someone else to do everything and never teach me anything. And instead, <laughs> they were just like, "Right, we're going to teach you everything. You're going to do everything, and we're just going to build a team around you." You broke the ground. You broke the glass ceiling, it, right? I that- did, and it like I proved things not only to them but to myself that I didn't think I was capable of. I always used to say that, "Oh no, I'd never do an action role because I've always like been told like, oh, 'Oh, you're so fragile. Oh, you're so useless. Oh, you're too clumsy.' You know, and even by My doctors just being like, you mustn't, you should just stay in bed, stay in bed, stay safe. Don't eat this, don't do that. how long did you believe
1: that? How long did you
2: believe that? Till April or like May this year. Wow. So, you know, I'm just coming into like this new awakening of like oh my go- oh my god <laughs> I'm so much more capable than I thought I was and also I'm not a fucking burden I've always like I've always advocated for other people with disabilities and been like you're not a burden but there's a part of me yeah and I don't know if you ever go through Hell this yeah. when you're in relationships or not where you're yeah. just like oh but I'm a burden Hell you know yeah. like I find myself apologizing to my boyfriend when I'm sick or when my legs yep. are swollen at the end of the day and he's just like shut the fuck up yeah just shut up yeah it's like this isn't a thing like I don't find this unattractive or annoying He was like this is just a part of you and this, this part of you makes the other parts of you like you all come you, you're but a whole package he's saying
1: it, you're not this is something I find so interesting and I have to say really I love hearing from you. If I if I can be so selfish, is, is that I re- I really empathize. I think to I was trying to say this earlier that I feel I've suddenly stepped into my adult disability. Now I feel yeah, yeah. I'm like an 18 I'm in year my eighteenth paralyzed year now as well I, I, like, yeah mate exactly. So maybe that happened we've at the grown. same the, the same we, time. Like maybe that we've flown our own nest, so to speak, and like we've grown. And I think it's so easy to say to other people be. Be, you're not a burden. Your disability is nothing to, you know, is, is, is nothing to be ashamed of. And, and don't internalize any of that ableism shit. But I recognize it in myself. Like you just said there, you know, some of the things, the limitations that people put on you, you took them,
2: you carried them. And I now. I can't do reverse cowgirl, Sophie. <laughs> I mean, that's just not on the table. No, mate, I'm with you. That's it's not not, it's not in my. That's not no. in my fucking it's cards. Gonna, you know what no, I mean? It's not. It's not in yeah, the repertoire I can't of fucking do,
1: moves. No, mate. I can't no. go
2: camping. I can't uh, if I don't have a very specific pillow. I'm absolutely <laughs> fucked for the entire week. Uh, I dislocate all the time. You know, like I. Uh, it's a the thing. There it's are the sometimes where man. I'm. Yeah, I'm walking with James, and suddenly my hip will just be like. No. <laughs> and it would just slightly move in the within the socket and then I can't walk anymore. But so, so how long did like, it
1: take for you to be like, This is cool, this is fucking me? I mean, I remember when I was first spinally injured and spinal injury is so complicated, it's so with your disability. We've got so many other things that people don't kinda of know about. They look at me and they're like, Oh, she can't walk. I'm like, mate. That's the least of my fucking problems. Oh my God. You know what I mean? It's like it's 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 to do with I can't regulate my temperature. I don't know when I need to go to the loo. I have no idea of what's hurting me if something's hot. I mean, there's so much going on. But for a long time, I just was like, no, no, no it's fine. I'm not disabled. It's fine. I, I it's fine. And I would just try. And I've just I've just written a book about this. I've written my first book, which was one of the scariest things I've done.
2: Congratulations. Thanks, babe.
1: And I I wrote about it. I actually in my book I wrote some truths that I hadn't actually ever told anybody because I thought, I've got to do this now. It's time. I've got to own up to where I'm at. And I think that's what you were saying just there, that kind of like, it's okay to say to my boyfriend, I can't do this, or to my mates, I'm not coming. I never did that. I've, it's taken a long time for me to do not, not do that and say, look, I'm not coming yeah. to your house because it's not accessible. It's not because I don't love you. I just, I can't come because I'm not going to be able to go to the loo and I could risk wetting myself and I don't want to do that. Whereas before I go, totally. fuck it, I just wet myself. It's fine, fuck it.
2: You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, I, mean, like, I I. mean, I'd never dated anyone where I'd told them I was like, the irony of me being accused of Munchausen is so funny because like I went out of my of what? way to A be like what? Munch, Munchausen, you know where like you fake illnesses. Right. That's what last, last February I was accused of that by the entire internet. It was really weird. The but the irony of me being accused of that and I was like, fuck, it's so funny. Like you don't even know. Like I don't, I like, I, didn't even get a GP for like five years right. uh, when I first got to America because I was so like afraid of doctors Shit. and I don't like look after myself properly and I don't, I'd never told anyone until James quite Shit. how Shit. like tricky my condition is you know right, I would just right, wear right, right. clothes that would cover my leg swelling or I yeah. would make excuses for why I couldn't hang out or you know like yeah. I don't know pretend I was having a one month period if I was yeah. having issues where I couldn't have sex. I just uh, I'd never had anyone before who made me feel so safe. So has he been point for you? Has
1: he given you these words?
2: Amazing. Massively. And I'm annoyed that it came from outside of myself, but sometimes, you know, Whatever. it has to. It and happens. I guess that's kind of part of this, part, the point of this episode is also just to remind allies out there that you can make a profound difference yes. on someone's ability to live freely and integrally. And so he just kind of made me feel like it's just not, it's just so not a big deal. Like he's so good at advocating himself, for ad- advocating for himself. And he just taught me how to advocate for wow. myself where he was just like, oh, if you wow. can't do it, just don't go. If you don't, if you don't want to go out, oh, just you like, I want to go. go for a hike. I, you know, oh, you don't want to go for a hike. That's fine. We'll go, we'll, I'll wait till you're doing something and then I'll go for my hike separately. Or this, that, never made me feel bad once Shit. ever about my illness. And this whole time I had it in my head that someone would be like, oh, you can't do all these fun things. Okay, well, fuck oh, off God. then fuck and he just did, he didn't oh he never I'm so fucked happy off.
1: for you I'm so fucking happy for you because that is finding that little permission grant like it's just it's powerful I've never I've not had it in fact I've had the polar opposite and I think my trigger was probably almost like the polar opposite I had such a poor relationship with this really really awful quite abusive partner and I think what it did shit. is it made me go holy shit you've let so much go you've let so so much of yourself bend and not be truthful. Who the hell are you? And I woke up after lockdown. We broke up in lockdown and I, that's when I wrote my book. And I was like, I worked it out of my book. I was like, shit, I've, I've not actually... I've gone, I've lost myself in this hole. I'm an advocate and I'm always saying these things to other people. When have I not said it to myself? So that softness, to your point about how to speak to disabled people, I have to tell myself to be kind to myself, to speak to myself 100%. in those ways, which is like, it's okay. You're, you're cool. It's okay. You're not a letdown. You're not a failure. You're not a burden. You're not all those things. It's okay.
2: You know, it's it's really fucking hard work. So I'm so and happy it's going to gonna you. need to be a I'm it's going to need to be a societal effort because there is a part of us that goes when society says loudly, you can't. A lot of us go loudly, yes, I can, oh, I and can't. then our inner bully goes, no, no you actually can't. <laughs> And so that is a really, yeah, that's a really dangerous voice in our heads that stops us from going for love or jobs or passions or hobbies or whatever. Like the amount of things that we aren't always just excluded from that we exclude ourselves from. But isn't it wonderful to know that we're all the same? And it's yes. one in five motherfucking people. Ugh. So like all allies out there, and this includes me because my my disability is invisible. So, mm-hmm. right. So there are plenty of things that I can do that some of my friends can't do. So it is on all of us to continuously make effort to remind people that they, deser- they deserve happiness, basic respect, love, patience, kindness, and all the same help that we would want if we were in their same position. And so, yeah, I'm very, I'm very, very lucky to have someone in my life Um, but I would like to, to, you know, who, who treats me with such care, but I would love for it not, I'd love to not feel this lucky
1: do you know what though at the same time I'm listening to you and I'm thinking yes okay for you it took meeting this amazing person and your partner giving you that and that is transformative for me it took losing somebody to wake myself up but at the end of the day what we've also got is one another and we've got I think Mm -hmm. we need to remind ourselves that there are people in the same boat as us and have these conversations like you and I having now and say have you been there too yeah okay I've been there okay it may be in a different format but we, we can relate and we can empathize and that's what unifies us is that Actually you know, our, our journeys might all be really very different. You know, my journey from being paralyzed to being a television presenter or whatever, it's really random. But there's so many similarities in in it, within us, so much so that so much that unifies one another. It doesn't matter what, what your background is or what's happened to you. We can all understand what it feels like to feel really disabled by our own minds, let alone our own. Yeah, bodies. it could be
2: social anxiety, it, it could totally, be anything. Totally. But so, so, so moving forward, because I'd love to hear where you're at now. I didn't realise that you were in uh, an abusive sort of relationship and I'm really fucking Horrified and feeling quite homicidal um hearing about that <laughs> because you're such a such a gem of a human. Still a bit of a bitch sometimes as Always we a bitch. Uh, but, <laughs> um, no, but I uh where are you at? Where are you at now? Like has it made has it prope- has that realization propelled you into a space of advocacy for yeah. yourself for your like, right, next time round? I mean, I don't know if you're in another yeah, relationship I'm now not. but like next not. time round, I'm, I'm going not. into this like backing myself in this way, protecting myself in this way, building myself up so that I'm not vulnerable to this sort of prick again. I love to, I lo- I'd love to think that I have
1: that shield up and it's never coming down, but I worry about, I worry about that. I think what I, what I mean by that is, so I'm, I'm, I'm good. Thank you. I'm okay. I just, it's been a really tough year. And I think I didn't realize that I got myself into the situation that I had. And I, 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 I say that with so much sort of now self-respect because I, I know so many women who I've, who I've spoken to in the last sort of six months or so that have said that they uh, recognize that, that they found themselves in these relationships and they're like, how did I get here I didn't think I was that woman and I don't know what that woman means but like you don't ever imagine yourself to be the type I didn't think you know outwardly I'm such a fighter and I'm anyone who knows me will say I am strong and I and I talk, advocate for myself and I advocate for others and all those things but actually when it came to relationships I lost myself and I would know, I didn't have the skills to know how to be my full self with my full disability and it got really complicated and, and like I said it got pretty abusive um well got very abusive and and in the end it, it thankfully it ended but i think now where i'm going is a place of right i'm getting really really creative i'm also getting really energetic i mean i've just i just presented my first ever Uh, series of my own which is for me is a massive milestone um but something I've been working towards for for years I've written a book I've done the podcast I'm speaking to people like you I'm I'm actually I feel like I want to be alone for for a while and just have this full Mm. amount of energy for myself and just keep it all in, in for myself to be able to to do something that um I, I hope um changes the world a little bit fuck it I said it I know that sounds really grandiose and like but I actually feel like I, I had a disability so. I don't know I had a disability for I've, I've often wondered if I had a disability for a reason I looked at myself at all those years ago and I thought what was the fuck why did this happen and I I find a real solace I find real passion I found real joy in thinking oh it happened so that I can do something good with it and That does not include a fucking boy helping a boy. No, no, no. it's so
2: empowering to be able to know that you can recycle all of that, like trauma or pain or all of those lessons and turn it into something good. Do you think that's a good no, thing No, I think to it's do? great. I think it's great. I mean, it's how I've justified being so mentally ill my entire life is I'm like, well, at least now I have loads of empathy for other people, which has made me feel much more connected to other people. and Like I can understand so much more of a diversity of people. And also, and that's maybe like given me access to all these like, great friendships and relationships yeah. and just one-off chats even that have changed mm. the course of my life. But also uh, it's taught me a lot. And I'm able to now use it to go and help other people yes. who are struggling with their mental health. So, yes. you know, if if they're in the middle of it, I can be like, hey, I've been there too, make them feel less alone. Or maybe if they're on the precipice of it, I can be like, here are these tools. Or, hey, mm-hmm. don't do that because I did it <laughs> and this is how I fucked it up. Uh, and and now I, you know, if I could go back and I've gone back and forth over this, my, you know, a lot of my life with some of the, the issues that I have because my uh, my disability makes every single um Every single facet of every minute of every day complicated I wouldn't change it for the no. world I wouldn't change it. Do you and think I, people uh, don't believe in this? I used to wish that. I know, I know, but they they, they probably don't I and know, I think I know. And I don't think I felt this way when I was younger but now like everything I've experienced as community being able to like meet people like you having the solidarity with the people I have now all of that comes from that and I lo- I like who I am most yeah. of the time sometimes I'm still a bit of a, <laughs> a twat. <bit. brat. laughs> Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but you know, would you, would you take it back? Like, how do you feel? Do you know, I, I closed that could be the, a mixed answer.
1: I, do you know what I closed? I closed the uh, chapter of my book with this question of if I could go back to the minute I was paralyzed, if I could, would I, I mean, we all have those questions of like, if I could go back, but if I could go back to that moment where I was sat in the car and I was driving really badly and I was going to crash that car, would I go back? And for the first time I knew categorically and I write this chapter about actually doing it. And I had this really weird experience of just talking to myself and actually sitting in the room with myself and go, right, what what would you do? What would you do? And I realised in that moment, I think she, the girl that wasn't paralysed, the girl that didn't end up in a wheelchair, the girl that walks around her life without any awareness of what it's like to struggle, I think she would look at me and she would miss me. She would like me. She would be like you're cool. I think you get things. And I had this weird and it gives me goosebumps now thinking like mm. I actually think that the girl I was and the girl I am would love each other and actually I used to think I was jealous of her. I used to kind of want to be that girl that didn't have a disability. But now I'm like no, I'd rather be the girl that does have a disability because I like this but I like this life. I like I like that I get to do this. I like that I get to Wake up and feel galvanized and moved and I feel pain and suffering. Christ, I suffer. But I, I'd rather suffer than not. And I think um I think that's I'm I'm with you. I feel you when you say that you wouldn't change it. And I I, I try it so hard sometimes to articulate it to people and they're like, they do that kind of thing, like, oh, she's in denial, she's pretending. No,
2: and obviously there are some times, I'm sure when you're at the bottom of a fucking flight of stairs,
1: you're
2: just like, for fuck, for fuck's I was stuck on my stomach for, I
1: had to lie on my stomach for three years when I was 18, 19, 20. I had to lie on my stomach. I couldn't sit up. I had to lie in bed for three years. And I remember at those times, you know, thinking, what's going to be like on the other side? But Mm. that's, that's, you know, we've all been there. You will have been there. Those lowest lows, I get there, I'm like... The high after this is going to be so goddamn high and it's going to just be the best. Like life is just going to get the lower the low, the higher the high. It's just going to be amazing. And so
2: you just yeah, got to hold on to that, di- right? It creates, it creates dynamics. It creates dynamics in our lives. But I, uh, yeah, I, um, I really, I love the woman that you've become. And also it's been really interesting to like kind of get to know you eight years ago and then kind of lose touch, reconnect and then see where you're at now. And like the you're just kind of your emotional growth is so evident and you feel like you were always, I think we were both quite confident, but faking a lot of it. And I feel like now we genuinely feel like we're in our bones. And I know part of that is just from being in our thirties, but also I really feel like we are, we're where we're supposed to be, where the people we're supposed to be. And I'm so happy that you exist. <laughs> and I'm so happy to get to learn from you and with you. Um, and, Honestly, I'm, I'm so sorry that that happened uh, with this person, but I hope you know how much you deserve just to be absolutely cherished. And and if you don't yet, then you will know. And hopefully unlike me, you won't have to, it won't have to take someone telling you to fuck off all the time <laughs> to, to finally understand that. No, I, um, I hear you and I,
1: I can't tell you how much it feels reciprocated to say what you just said. I, I feel like we've, we've done this in our lives and I've watched you go from my God, from where we were to where you are now and feel so just in awe. But also I've really, um, I really recognize how much we have grown. And I do feel we are like that kind of grown disabled women that we have been waiting to be for a long time. So it's just been a privilege to sit and chat with you and I can't wait to see what happens next for both of us and for all disabled people.
0: Hello, everyone, it's Andy Richter here to tell you the exciting news that we are back with new episodes of my podcast, Three Questions with Andy Richter. We have got a great group of upcoming guests, including some that I've been waiting a long time to talk to, including Jake Johnson, John Lovett, Caitlin Riley, Bobby Lee, Ashley Ray, and Ted Danson. So I'm very psyched for you to hear where they're from, where they're going, and what they've learned. And it leads to some really surprising, heartfelt, and pretty funny moments. So what are you waiting for? Go to the Three Questions with Andy Richter wherever you get your podcast now. New episodes every Tuesday.
2: we want to talk about what's next something that we spoke about in the podcast you talk about this a lot uh with hashtag disabled lives matter a growing movement um that both of us feel passionately about and let's talk about the 2028 olympics yeah this is interesting right so this is what a
1: question that i think we the paralympics rather yeah so yeah exactly the paralympics we need to chuck this out there as a as a question to all your listeners and a question to the wider society of just right what are we going to do here because we've got an opportunity we've got the paralympics um coming they're going to be in paris and then they're going to be in la but la is a hotbed we've got that we've got so much culture, you know, sport and culture are going to collide in a way that we've never really probably ever seen before. We had a bit in London, mm-hmm. we flirted with it, we got we got there, right? London was London was a game changer, but I think we didn't also have that missing ingredient, which I think the States has, which is a huge, I suppose, a, a bed of unrest. People that want more, people that, I think the British are a little bit like, I don't know, I'm not, I don't know, it's a bit, a bit of a generalisation. I just think America could be, there could be something that we would, we've never seen before. So let's
2: think. It's also going to be really interesting to see what the Paralympics are going to be like in Paris, because all those fucking buildings are listed and they just don't have a lot of access. It was really shocking to me when I went there. At least America is, and this isn't for a great reason, but America is so litigious that everyone's so afraid of being sued, that the access is phenomenal in Los Angeles compared to anywhere else I've ever been. Oh yeah.
1: It's, it's like, I get there and I'm like, oh my God, this is what it's like to wow, I go in the same door as other people. In London, I have to go like through the back door, down a a stairwell, up through a fucking lift around the back and I like get carried in by a weird man to get to the same table as people in most restaurants. LA is like, you can go through the same fucking door as everyone else, holy shit. So to your point about Paris... I think we need to be careful. I think we need to make sure, and, and there are obviously people completely across this. I think it's just a really important that we keep the conversation, you know, um, amplify voices that are calling out where things aren't quite landing. And if, if infrastructure is not going to get changed, why the hell not? What are the metrics here of success? But the IPC at the International Paralympic Committee is headed by the most amazing man. His name's Andrew Parsons. And he speaks so powerfully about how he feels the Paralympics can be used as a movement for good. So it's not like the Paralympics is just like, oh, we're just going to do sport. They're not. You know, the IPC is like, we are going to use this to change the world. So I feel very encouraged I think, that we're going to see bit wider traction. There's frameworks being put in place around the Games now to make sure that inclusion becomes part of the legacy, that legacy isn't just about the sport, it's, which, of course, is important, but it's also this, there's wider issues that need yeah, to be tackled. it's not just about
2: the model minority. It's about creating yeah. a kind of, yeah, a, a safe space for that big conversation. Exactly. So I
1: think Paris games could be exciting, but I, I I my hope, I mean, you said this in our podcast, we don't want to have to fucking wait till LA. We don't have to wait till 2028 for change to happen. No, we have to start now. We have to start now, but I do feel I am excited because what we will see in America and with the LA games is a commercial opportunity like we've never seen before. So some of the biggest brands in the world, if they get engaged with the Paralympics, go, oh, I mean, and sky's the limit, right? Because well, commercial I mean, buy-in <laughs> but matters. LA it really doesn't miss an
2: opportunity for fucking marketing and branding. So I'm going to utilize go. that. It's just that I just don't want any of the fixtures that come up in Paris and LA in any of these countries. I don't want them to be temporary. I know.
0: that's it it's it's always
2: got to be the beginning of how things are going to look from now on and I I think what we were talking about on the on your podcast is that uh what's so exciting about it being in LA is that it's the sort of it's Mm. it's the hub of representation where Mm. representation becomes possible you know Will and Grace changed the way that a lot of Americans felt about gay people like this is this is a, a town that has massively as soon as they started making like more racially diverse uh projects they were like that's it hollywood's woke hollywood's liberal hollywood's all-inclusive and it's like the fuck it isn't i say this in every interview i do and it gets cut out of most of my interviews Mm -hmm. that like what about disabled representation i can't believe they cut it out of almost every single thing i do anything i do on video podcast anything they're just whenever i bring it up they'll be like, oh yeah, in the room. And then it will never make it to edit because they don't really want to have the conversation. And so it's really exciting to now have my own podcast, have you have your own podcast and know that this is now, we're going to be right in the middle of this town. Like they can't pretend. They can't, like, they say can't people ignore People don't but exist yeah. anymore. Yeah. And what and what we were talking about is not wanting this to be like an event, like a one week, one month event where Non-disabled, like famous people, mm. turn up and get their sort of allyship cookies mm. on the red carpet of the Paralympics and cheer on disabled sports, like the model yeah. minority of, of, of athletes. Mm. We need this to be something that starts now, so that by the time we get to those two thousand and twenty-eight, I can't believe we've been alive this long. That's just <laughs> such—I never thought I'd be alive to see that year. But by the time we get to that. Yes. to that point I, know. I don't want I don't want people to turn up because they'll get their allyship points or to look like a good citizen mm-hmm. like they're doing charity for people with disabilities I want it to be the norm by then I want there to be yeah. people getting nominated for Emmys and people getting nominated for Oscars and people I, I want to see commissioners at big networks with disability with visible and invisible disabilities like I want the change to have already been there the change we can't wait for the change to start in 2028 we just have to be ready to make sure it stays everything we build up until then has to then stay hell yes so how can people how can people um listening to this podcast support uh your work and and this work well
1: firstly hell yes to that absolutely on point Um, summary of where the fuck we need to go. And I think, okay, so to the question about how to support, I think I, what do I want? I'd love people to engage in our podcast equal to, I'd love there to be questions and reflections and feedback on what you hear, but also I want it to trigger more and lead people down, uh, you know, into their own journeys of like, what do I know about disability and what do I need to know? And let's, let's go on this together. I think that there needs to be accountability. I really want to find a way to find accountability to where we can say, where things are going wrong, how do we call it out and it get heard? Um, But when things are going right, how do we point a finger and celebrate that and celebrate it? I really want those things to, to be what we start doing next. So I don't have the conclusive answer as to how we do that but that's something that I would really like to see more of.
2: Um, well where can where is a um, is there a website that you like that you feel like is a good place for example the IPC like is there somewhere with So that we there's can... a
1: campaign called We The Fifteen hashtag We The Fifteen uh, which I think everyone should engage in it's it's about it, it, it's all around the fact that the 15% of the global population have a disability and it's got some fantastic voices and it's got a plan for the next decade and I think people should really engage in that there's hashtag equal to as well and our website htyt.world where there's more information and transcripts of our podcast i think engage with some real important figures in our community um which i would start, like like to list here now, but I think it would just go on for too long and I don't want to miss anybody out, but we can put them in the show notes or something and just have mm-hmm. some, I'll, I can send over a list of some of the most important voices out there that we can follow on social media. But also just, I think whenever you're in the room, wherever you are, ask who's not there. And if they're not there, you know, if there's no disabled person, if there's no person of colour who's disabled, if there's no, you know, if there's only one type of disability in the room or something like that, ask why they're not there and see how you can bring them in. Even if it's just Mm -hmm. as a consultancy, I mean, the term consultancy riles me. I don't feel we should have to have outsourced expertise on disability, but we do and we have them. And there's some great ones out there. Sinead Burke's Mm -hmm. one is in itself, I mean, a prime example. But I think if you're in the room somewhere and there's somebody missing, ask yourself how to fill that gap and make sure we do that for one another because otherwise, you know, we can all gain from it. This isn't just about us and them. This is about all of us moving forward together.
2: A hundred percent and amen. And uh, yeah, there's plenty of people that I can also direct Mm -hmm. everyone to that I frequently do direct everyone to uh, on my social media. And so I will make sure that I also do that again underneath your post. So for anyone who's wondering, like make sure that your timeline and your actual day-to-day life once the Mm -hmm. world fully opens back up really diversify not just your feed, but your day-to-day life. Gloria Steinem asks, who are you going to lunch with? Right now, no one. But (laughs) next year, and surely by (laughs) 2028, we would hope, um, work to widen your stratosphere. It'll make you a better and smarter and more interesting person. And you never know what you're going to learn and how it's going to shape you. I think it's really exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, Your podcast is so good It is so accessible for anyone out there who has either recently... Um, entered uh, the kind of world of disability via themselves or via someone else they love, this is a perfect place to start. It's so warm and relatable, but no punches pulled. And it's a very unpretentious podcast. And Sophie and Sinead uh, Burke are are not pretentious people. They really aren't looking to wag the finger at (laughs) anyone, not that that would be a problem, but you're really just like fed up and looking for how do we move forward? It's a logical and realistic and exciting podcast. Thank you. And the ideology that you're pushing that, yeah, you're solution based rather than just playing kind of whack-a-mole with all of the lies on the internet. Um, I'm, I'm so excited. I'm so thrilled that you came onto this podcast. I really want everyone to listen to equal to. Um, I was honestly, one of my favorite interviews I've ever done was being on that podcast. You're such great interviewers. And, um, and you know, follow Sophie. Go give her some love after this episode. Follow her work. She is exceptional. And awesome. um and as is Sinead, who sadly couldn't be here because of because they're both so fucking busy. It's a nightmare. <laughs> we'll get Sinead on another time for sure. Because I really want to introduce you to her. But Sophie, you're so busy saving the world. So before you go, I just want to ask you, what do you weigh? I weigh my
1: creativity, my joy, and my love for my motorbike.
2: <laughs> i uh i want to see your motorbike That's, oh I'm you've to got so, to see my motorbike! i'm fight. so excited oh. um Psst. look i hope we make it to the same side uh yes. as the world soon so we can go and hang out but um until then you're a joy you and are too. i'm you so too. excited for your book oh my goodness oh god i was so scared <laughs> my Lots stomach clips upside
1: down oh babe it's been such a pleasure thank you so much thank you
2: Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I Weigh with Jamila Jamil is produced and researched by myself, Jamila Jamil, Erin Finnegan and Kimmy Gregory. It is edited by Andrew Carson and the beautiful music you are hearing now is made by my boyfriend, James Blake. If you haven't already, please rate, review and subscribe to the show. It's a great way to show your support. we would love to pass the mic to one of our fabulous listeners.
1: Hello, friends. I weigh my empathy and being a good listener. I weigh my queerness that it took me nearly 17 years to accept and the community that I have found around being queer. I weigh
2: deciding to put myself in through psych school at 24. I weigh my definition of femininity and no one else's. I weigh not weighing myself
1: in part of my eating disorder recovery. I weigh my capacity for love and I
2: weigh my strengths.
0: Hello, everyone. It's Andy Richter here to tell you the exciting news that we are back with new episodes of my podcast, Three Questions with Andy Richter. We have got a great group of upcoming guests, including some that I've been waiting a long time to talk to, including Jake Johnson, John Lovett, Caitlin Riley, Bobby Lee, Ashley Ray, and Ted Danson. So I'm very psyched for you to hear where they're from, where they're going, and what they've learned. And it leads to some really surprising, heartfelt, and pretty funny moments. So what are you waiting for? Go to the Three Questions with Andy Richter wherever you get your podcast now. New episodes every Tuesday.
1: Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue,
0: panting. You're working hard,
1: real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Ah, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not.